At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, guys. Welcome to Knife Talk. This is a podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, DIYers. You're working in your garage. You're working in your shed. You're wearing that snapback hat. We don't care because we're here for you. You're doing whatever it takes to get it done. My name's Jeff Fader from Fader Knives. I'm here with the return of Mareko Momasi, Momasi Fire Arts. And as we normally have Craig, Craig's under the weather. Craig isn't feeling well, so we're going to let him ride it out in bed and relax but Mareko's back. Mareko, you just downgraded. how the hell are you? You just downgraded. Craig's out, and now Mareko's back. No, no, this is there's no such thing as a uh, knife talk. This is still the number one knife-related podcast on this German-fested planet, and we're glad you're back. <laughs> that was good how back. was your trip? Uh, I would say over, overall, um, the trip was good, although I am not revved up and raring to go for another one anytime soon i'll tell you um re- sitting and driving for three weeks is a lot of driving and um, that's a lot of driving. i i get motion sick and so i did most of the driving which was fine um but my i have like this weird tight spot like on my right butt cheek now and i've been trying to like work it out the last couple days but it's not yeah. going away um i think uh, our chair the springs in our chair uh, the driver's seat are a little worn out so uh yeah so that that was a minor but um minor thing but uh yeah overall the the road trip was great saw a lot of great people spent time with a lot of great people like rick hall and mike quisenberry and and will brigham uh josh scott drove up from san diego while i was working with will brigham got to see friends that my wife grew up with uh got to see all kinds of crazy shit especially driving through the sequoias i don't know if you've ever been to the sequoias but it is humbling standing next to those fucking gigantic trees they, yeah, they are, I think, I think what my r- wife had read is that they are the single largest living individual thing in the world. 
uh, especially wow. General Sherman. And it's not necessarily the widest tree and it's not necessarily the tallest tree, but volume wise, like the volume of that tree is so in- massive. Uh, it is one of the largest, or if not the largest living thing uh, on a planet. Um, That's amazing. It's, it, dude, it's, you, you know, you see pictures and pictures don't do justice. Even if you see like tiny little people standing in the tree and shit like that, like you don't get it until you're standing right in front of the fucking thing and you're just like oh my god and it's insane like especially the general sherman tree also it's not all necessarily the oldest tree but that tree is estimated to be somewhere between like 1500 and 3500 years old it's hard to really actually know they do just like a rough calculation but they can't really take a, a core sample the diameter of that tree is 36 and a half feet wide Jeez. it's fucking massive <laughs> it's crazy it's- so, did your son enjoy the driving? Did he enjoy no, he fucking the- hated it. <laughs> that was part of the hard part. <laughs> that was part of the hard part. And, you know, we moved to Connecticut and we moved back. Both of those were long cross-country road trips with the kid. Yeah. He was younger at the time. We actually thought it was going to be more of a pain in the ass then than we thought it would be now. And he was great both times. You know, he was just barely. He was a baby. Yeah. He on was, the way here, he was yeah, a baby. Yeah, on the way to the East Coast, he wasn't even one yet. Right. Right. Wasn't even one yet. He was great. Uh, on the way back, he was just about to turn three. He was great still. Uh, I think he was just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but this time, like we hit the road and literally like every 20 minutes, he's like, are we there yet to like our first stop? First of, you know, a dozen different stops that we were going to make. And this one was just in Northern California at the coastal redwoods uh, in Crescent city, California. And it, that was like a seven and a half hour drive day. Wow. Like, yeah, every 20 fucking minutes. He's like, every day yet. <laughs> like, Oh, I want to so be there. Do? Cons- I mean, we brought all kinds of shit, books and projects yeah. and he brought his stuffed animals and stuff. We, my wife, uh, brought stories to read to him while we drove. Uh, we didn't start using the podcast probably until we were halfway through the trip. And uh, my wife was like, I can't fucking read right now. I was like, I brought my, uh, I have an extra pair of over ear, like Bluetooth headphones. I was like, we can turn on the podcast <laughs> and uh, he can listen to that. And he actually loved it. There's one, uh, it's called Wow in the World. And it's all like science stuff for kiddos. And uh, he was just ripping through those. But it was great for us because we didn't have to listen to it and the kind of annoying kid character voices and shit like that. We could just kind of right. talk to each other or not fucking talk at all or listen to the radio, you know. Uh, so that was nice um, to have that extra tool along the trip. But Yeah, of course. Whatever it takes. But, yeah, we saw some cool stuff. The Redwoods were really cool and beautiful. Um, we didn't really drive along the California coast too much. Um what is it? We stopped in the Redwoods. Then we went to like north of San Francisco on the next day, our second stop. And then we stopped just south of San Francisco and like Santa Cruz. Uh, and then we made our way to LA from there and then down to San Diego and then back up into the Sequoia National Park. And then uh, from the Sequoia National Park to Reno and then to Central Oregon and back to Washington. And it was a 22 day road trip. It was a lot of driving. That's a lot of driving. That's a lot of driving. <laughs> But, but we weren't driving every day, but yeah, it was it was still a lot of driving, a lot of six, seven hour days, for sure. Oh boy! So so let's see. so you had a good time with Rick Hall. Yes. Did you like so you booked you booked time with all these guys? Yeah. like a couple days apiece. Yeah. Or? So originally, before we even decided to do the road trip, it was like, hey, I got uh, some 
some projects coming up that I want to do. I want to go work with Will Brigham because I have uh, a show coming up in September where I'm going to be in Nashville and I got to bring some like best of the best shit that I've ever made. Cause it's kind of like one of those limited Im- invitation, only 25 makers art knife show kind of thing. Right. And he will Brigham is one of the baddest motherfuckers right now making stainless mosaic. He's probably making the most intricate stainless mosaic Damascus patterns. And I've worked with him a couple of years ago and, um, and that was, it was fun. And and so getting ready for the show, I wanted to get some work, some material together that, you know, people weren't bringing to the show. These art knife makers that go to the show, like, uh, uh, some of these fuckers are selling, like Michael Walker will be there and he'll probably, he's the guy that invented like the frame lock knife and, uh, or yeah, he invented that. Like te- and when you call them all fuckers, you're saying that with, with peace, peace and love. Yeah, all these, these yeah. fuckers and peace and yes, yeah. with all these of course. fuckers are bringing all the. Yeah, no, it's yeah, like just- they're so fucking good that I'm just like, God damn you, fuck you guys, <laughs> got yeah. a situation. There you go. Um, and so, yeah, these, some of these folks will bring knives that will sell upwards of 50, 60, 70, a hundred thousand dollars at the show. I think last year they sold 50 to 51 knives for a total of over a hundred or sorry, $1.5 million in sales. Jeez Louise. Yeah. yeah, They sell a, so you, the, the pressure on you to bring some high level stuff is. (laughs) It's, a, it's there's a lot of pressure. And so a lot of the ornamentation for these knives is, you know, with like engraving and gold inlay and all these crazy like geometric kind of sculpted and inlaid precious stones and precious like abalone inlaid kind of shit. Right. right. Um, and so all of my ornamentation is on the blade and the patterns that I make. And so one of the things that I really want to do is bring some really unique and rare material, which is a stainless mosaic Damascus blade made with a crazy ass pattern on it. And so that's the work I was doing with Will Brigham. Um, we worked together um, and in forging and making this material. And I'm going to be making a blade out of that to take to that show. Uh, I'll be bringing some carbon stuff as well. Um, but I really, that's going to kind of be my, like my show pieces is, is wow. that uh, stainless mosaic Damascus stuff. Um, that's gotta be, that's gotta be a lot feel. I, I was, when I talk about your work, I always think that it's high pressure just in general, sure. but like in a situation like this where you're, you know, around such high level people, yeah. how do you, how do you ration, how do you feel when you're working <laughs> on the piece? Cause I'm like, how I don't do you feel like, good about that, anything like, you're doing? <laughs> no, I mean, do you feel confident? Right. Or do you exactly. Feel like, like, I mean, how do you, how do you, I mean, cause you don't do a lot of stainless Damascus. So you have to really like think about how you're, is the heat treatment going to be right. right? And how do you get yourself psyched up that this is going to, cause I would think for a lot of people yeah. who are doing this, that they don't not doing first time, you know, experimentation. I'm only saying experimentation because <laughs> you don't do a lot of this. Right. They don't really do, they do what's in their wheelhouse. So get me in your mindset. So I ha- how are you going to do Yeah, this? I have forged a few stainless Damascus chef's knives from Damasteel. Bam, bam. Damasteel, one of our sponsors. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just do that right real quick. They Guys, did. if you want to do some high-level D- Damascus, go get yourself the Damasteel. Damasteel.se. Use promo code Knife Talk for 10% off your Damascus steel product you don't want to make make it and you want something high level and good get yourself some of that Damascus steel good 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 remember yeah good memory. i gotta remember all this shit sorry yeah no you go good. ahead yeah so Damascus steel i mean it, it is a great material uh and it is forgeable but holy hell is it challenging i actually when i first started learning how to forge stainless i pro- probably burned through a th- 
a thousand to three thousand dollars worth of material um you know just in a few fuck ups <laughs> all right well let's get to but we let's get to what you're working on for right for right right so but yeah. i have done stainless i got it together uh i figured it out i've i've forged and, and heat treated and, and done a few stainless so i have that i feel pretty comfortable with that um and and so it's but yeah when it trying to feel good about you know is it there yet is it of the caliber that should be at that show i uh one of my stops along the road trip was actually at mike quesenberry's shop after being in reno with rick rick hall uh, i stopped and spent a day with uh or we the family spent a day with mike and his wife and they were really great all everybody were great awesome hosts uh i really appreciate all their support as we were traveling along but uh he did this art knife show last year i believe yeah last year and um and i was like dude i still feel a little bit out of my element like what the fuck should i do and he's like listen it's a curated show they're bringing you in because you make some of the best chef's knives in the world just do what you do and i'm like uh, and I was still like, but should I make, should I make something else that was going to draw people to the table? And he's like, no, people are expecting you to bring chef's knives, just bring chef's knives. Don't try to bring a hunter. Like I could forge an integral hunter or something like that would, that would be cool and nice to have on the table. But he's like, don't do any of that shit. Bring, bring yeah. your work, bring what you're known for, because that's what people are coming to that show for. So that helped kind of boost my, um, kind of my self-confidence and and also mike being very complimentary of my work already so i'm just like okay i just need to do my thing and bring it to the show and just fucking go with it if i tank i tank if i don't i don't and um it, it is what it is so but i'm feeling better about that show and getting ready for that so that was so i was part of, before we even lined up this road trip part of me was like i want to go work with will brigham um and then and then rick hall and i have been talking about doing some damascus work together and me teaching him some damascus stuff so then uh, but he was also getting ready for his um journeyman smith test which he passed congratulations rick by the way um and uh, he passed it with flying colors honestly and and uh but I didn't want to, we had been talking about me, him coming up to Washington and doing some shit leading, uh, or before he even like was making his journeyman Smith test set. And I'm like, dude, why don't we just save it till afterward? That way you can have all the time and all the focus you need to just do your journeyman Smith stuff. And I'm glad that we did because I think he was kind of working up to the, to the, to the finish line right before he left. And, um, and so, uh, and so that was another reason I was already looking to go and do some work with him. And so at that point, my wife's well, shit, maybe we can make a road trip out of this. Cause she has friends that a friend, a high school, long time high school friend. Actually, I think they met in elementary school um, or middle school. Anyways, uh, that lives in San Diego. And so I was like, we'll just make a road trip out of this. The dude in school will be out uh, so we can bring the kid and we can all cruise. And, uh, and so we made this road trip happen. But, you know, <laughs> there were hiccups here and there for sure. <laughs> what, what, what kind of hiccups? Well, I mean, the first fucking night was a massive hiccup. <laughs> what was the first so, night? So we went to Crescent City where the coastal redwoods were. It was a long driving day. Um, and it was raining 
like crazy actually the last half of the day like by the time we showed up and in preparation we were like trying to decide i think we talked about this a little bit before if we're going to camp in tents or if we're going to try to figure out how to sleep in the truck and um because we had heard reports of bear maulings and stuff in some of these national parks we're like "Mm, maybe we're going to try to sleep in the truck Um, yeah it makes sense you built a whole structure in the back of the truck so you and your wife could sleep and then you have storage underneath and you may have built something for your kid on the top yeah yeah great yeah so we had that all set up um and but it was raining when we got there so getting set up like we brought also i have a 10 by 10 pop-up tent that perfectly fits over the back of the truck with plenty of clearance uh all around to be able to open the truck and have access to it and we have you know sidewalls and all this shit and we were going to have kind of like a somewhat of a, a a personal enclosed space where we could just do our thing outside of like uh the rest of like the fire pit and all that stuff which we didn't use because it had been raining um but i forgot the sidewalls and so we just had this pop-up tent with no sidewalls, no protection from the sideways rain, and it was just pissing all over the place. And it was, it was a nasty, muddy, wet mess the first day. It was kind uh, of fucking gnarly. It sucked. And um, and that and, and you know we're trying to figure it out, and the kids complaining and crying the whole time, and it was not the funnest. That was it was a hard. <laughs> it was a hard start start. so the next day we're like we're not fucking good because we had plans to cook breakfast and we brought all this shit for cooking while we're out camping at the various spots and my wife's like we're not fucking cooking breakfast we're gonna go somewhere we're gonna get some breakfast some coffee we're gonna pretend like yesterday didn't fucking happen and we're gonna start over (laughs) and that's a good idea (laughs) it was great and uh the rest actually the rest of the travel went super smooth until the very last day so we Uh bookended this trip with a little bit of fuckery at the beginning and at the end we were leaving bend oregon where my buddy lives Um, we spent a night there and we had a good time hanging with him um and we were probably 30 minutes out of bend and i start i start hearing a belt squeal and i'm like what the fuck is going on as we're going up the hill and we're not you know through most of oregon it's like 55 miles an hour. It's not even super fast driving speed limits. And so I, was, I couldn't figure out what's happening. And we'd only been on the road for half an hour. And then all of a sudden, my power steering got really stiff. And I was like, fuck, something's not right. So we happened to be pulling up, like a, about to come across a, a way station, just a roadside way station that was closed. So no trucks were really pulling over. So we pulled on to that got out and i i look inside the engine compartment and the belt is off of the engine the serpentine belt that goes around like the main crankshaft and the fan um and all the alternator and all the other shit and it took me a minute to figure out what was going on and i found where a wheel and what looked like an idle wheel of some sort had completely just like blown apart and what i ended up working out after about an hour is that um is that the idle wheel, the bearing in the idle wheel, it was on the tensioner arm, which helps keep the tension on the belt. It had seized up and busted off. And amazingly, it did not tear the belt up, which you would expect the belt to continue to rub on that and get all fucked up. But it, the, what ended up, the idle wheel busted off, but it stayed on that tension arm. So it just kept rotating. But because the bearing wasn't turning, it was just plastic rubbing on metal. And so eventually, and we had been driving like that for like a day, a day and a half or some shit like that. And um, and it finally gave up the ghost and it all came apart and the belt fell off. And fortunately, the belt was still in the compartment and it wasn't leaning against anything that was 
super hot and it didn't right. start melting or get damaged at all. And just down the road, like 10 miles, there was like an, uh, an O'Reilly's auto parts store. So I was like, I think we can get it there. I just really need to watch the temperature. And we had already been sitting, like I said, for about an hour. So the motor had a kind of a chance to kind of cool, cool down. down a little bit. Uh, but we didn't have a fan. We didn't have anything to really help keep the, the, the engine cool. And so I had to just take my time, got down there, uh, got the right part, $50 later in another hour, swapping out shit. And we were back on the fucking road and hit the road again. And we were only four hours away. We'd been on this road trip for 21 days. And I was four hours away from home, and we had to make this little detour. Um, how did you know how to do that? I just, I don't know. I've, I've always been a tinkerer, but it was also, it was a simple part. I was, what, what happened is I got lucky that it was a simple part. The tensioning arm literally is just a little thing that bolts onto the engine case, and it's just a swap out. You unbolt it, take the old one off, put the new one on. Unbelievable! I would I would have been like, just call AAA. I called I AAA, and those stuff. fuckers couldn't help us for shit. And the guy that I kept talking to was driving me crazy. I wish I could have reached to that phone and fucking strangled his ass. He was not helpful at all. Um, well, you know what is helpful? Let's hear it. Even Heat. They are. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, one of the best manufacturers of heat treating ovens on the on the block. We're using Even Heats, guys. When Mareko makes that knife for that special event, you're going to be using Even Heat to heat treat his knives. 100%. And if you go to evenheat-kiln.com, you can see everything. But when you want to get an Even Heat, you go to Soul Ceramics. If you go to this link, go to this link, knifetalk.net slash heat. It'll automatically give you $75 off your oven and free shipping in the United States. Can't beat that. And they have stuff in stock, as I am told. And if they don't, they build it to order. So go get yourself one of them even heats from Soul Ceramics, okay? Yeah. All right. And if you need any help from those guys at Even Heat, they're there to help you. You're going to wish you could reach for that phone and hug them. They're better than AAA. Fuck yeah. They're better than AAA. They're better than AAA. Spence is the man. Dude, I got to tell you, I hate road trips bum me out. And I always because I just know that I'm always I've been I remember in college going on a road trip from school to New York and the car breaking down in the middle of Ohio oh, with a yeah. bunch of kids and we're just like what the fuck are we I don't I don't like it at all. Like I'm always like when we went to drive to college, I bring the car in like a week before I said you just take a look at everything. I don't want any problems. I don't want any of it. Mm-hmm. I can't handle it. So, yeah. but it was a good trip. It sounds like. I mean, overall, yeah, it was it was a good trip. The the while I was working, the wife and the kid went on their adventures. They went and checked out like La Brea tar pits and hung out with my wife's cousin, who actually lives like uh, about forty five minutes away from Will's shop. So she they went and spent the night actually there. They went and she's got a pool. Her cousin, so the the kid, my kid, wanted to go swimming really bad because we're in L A in the hot weather, and he's like, I want to go swimming. So they went over there, swam, stayed the night. He even had had a swimming session before he even uh got up for breakfast or got into the house for breakfast and eat, ate waffles the next day it was good but i'll get you california drivers let me tell you about the drivers in california okay wait a second wait a second <laughs> is this going to be good so far we we don't like connecticut drivers yeah <laughs> and we're kind of like mediocre on washington no. drivers Why, so we don't yeah we like we like washington drivers don't like no nah, they're drivers. a bunch of chicken oh, shit okay so Connecticut's out. 
<laughs> Washington's out. <laughs> Tell me about California. California drivers. and P.S. New York, New York drivers are bad too. Yeah, so. Calif- I mean, yeah. California has some shitty drivers too, but it is more my pace, especially the highway driving, is great because everybody's going at least five over the speed limit, if not twenty. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, which I'm better with because um, I like to drive a little bit on the faster side. Okay. It's weird though because like you got people driving down the highway. Like they're about to shit their pants and they're racing to the nearest bathroom. Um, right. And then you got people who are just standard driving, speed limit 65. So they're going 65, 70, just kind of cruising. Um, and then, but they're not like floating in the passing lane or anything like that. And then you got ding dongs that are driving like they're fucking asleep at the wheel. <laughs> like somebody's going to go racing right. through and rear end them. Um, but overall, I actually, I, and I've spent a little bit of time driving in California before, and I actually, I, I get along with California drivers amazingly. Look at, I, I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Speaking of California drivers, <laughs> tell me what it was like hanging out with the newest California driver, Josh Scott. I know Josh oh, yeah. Scott listens to this. He came up to visit. I don't know how far of a drive he went. I saw him doing hour. stories, and yeah. I saw him doing stories, and I, you know, I pictured him sitting on an anvil listening to Pearl Jam, <laughs> and just nodding his head along. What was it like <laughs> hanging out with the newest California driver, Josh? Scott? Well, I'll tell you right now. Josh has actually lived in California before, um, before he has now. But oh. yeah, he lived in California at. I can't remember the story exactly, but he had Don't lived in California at some point be before. Uh, but it was great. Uh, Josh is great. It was awesome to actually get some. So I'd only met Josh really in person once before and only unfortunately for like maybe 10, 15 minutes at Blade Show. Uh, right. He was there with his son. They were cruising around. We chatted a little bit. Um, but that there, there was obviously there's always a ton going on at Blade Show. And, uh, so we didn't get to talk a ton. So it was a great, and, and, but since then, Josh and I have spent a lot of time. We send a lot of messages back and forth, talking to each other, helping each other out and stuff like that, uh, through Instagram. And so it was nice to get some quality time with Josh. He came up two separate days while I was there with Will for, I was working with Will for five days. And, um, and Josh came up and we hung out lots of good conversations and, you know, he was a mensch. He, he got lunch. He knew he, I think he felt like maybe he was a burden or something, but he, so he got lunch the first day he was there, which was awesome. Strong move. Yeah. Strong very move. strong. He, nothing, no better way to make yourself welcome in a group than to buy people lunch. Strong move. That's a, that's a, that's a, you know, that's a, that's an older person's strong. It's move. a very good. That's move. a person who's, who's, uh, who's been around the block a few times knows that that's the move. Yeah. Show up with coffee or show up with food. I got you. Yeah. Exactly. Donuts, beers, whatever. But next question, <laughs> next question. Yeah. You just posted this incredible knife okay. with this musk, musk ox handle. Yes. What is a musk ox and what is its handle? A musk ox is a kind of, I think they're kind of like a water buffalo, but they're a northwestern North American kind of animal in parts of Canada and Alaska. Uh, that. Uh, it, and so the what I use for that handle is what's referred to as the musk ox boss. So it's the portion of the antler, um, and I guess they're considered true antlers because they never shed. Um, they they just continue to grow throughout the animal's life. But the boss is the biggest, thickest part that's mounted to like the the top of the skull, and that is where uh, the best 
material comes from, especially for uh, knife handles. And mm. um, it, it's it's crazy material. Uh, it's I mean it's fucking beautiful. It's got some wild activity in it. Um, well, if you didn't if you didn't just for as a viewer seeing it for the first sure. time, if you didn't if you didn't if you didn't say it was it was musk ox handle, yeah, it looks like very very bright figured maple. Sure. Like it has that quality that's that, that like very light in color. Yeah. It has that chatoyance and it has that activity that would first glance it looks like super high figured maple. You know what? Honestly, the first time I saw it, I thought it was <laughs> I thought somebody had used one of those like acrylic marbleized like right. white and gold kind of acrylic Kieranite. Yeah, Kieranite kind of thing, like marbled yeah. kind of the kind of shit you see on bowling balls and stuff. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. And so uh I yeah, but it's it's got but it's all natural. It comes from an animal. Uh, I don't know how they're harvesting this stuff. I think it's pretty sustainable because, um, you know, it's, there's just because it's a protected animal, I believe. Uh, but anyways, it's it's crazy stuff. It 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 shapes and and all that pretty nicely. But the fucking problem is when I was sculpting the facets on there, I could like when I'm doing wood or I'm doing. Uh, I mean, I guess most often I'm using wood. And I'm sculpting the Japanese cowboy kind of faceted Western handle. I can see those facets very easily. Right. And on that musk ox, I couldn't, I was snow blind. I couldn't see a fucking thing. And, um, and I was like, I got to figure out how I'm going to do this. I'm not going to be able to finish this handle. And so I, was, I had the bright idea. Oh, I'll cover it with graphite pencil. I have, you know, f- from, uh, from high school and college, uh, right. from art classes using graphite, like these large, sure. thick quarter inch, whatever graphite pencils. Yeah. Uh, and I co- covered the whole thing. It was great. I could see all the facets. Uh, anytime I cut something, I could, I could, uh, color it back up. And then I got it all done and I was like, sweet, it looks great. And then I was like, wait a second. What the fuck's that? And the graphite, because, uh, this particular block, so you can, ha- you can either have this stuff, this antler. Uh, stabilized or you can season it really well this antler is like seven years old what's the difference between stabilizing and seasoning how do you season it? so seasoning is just allowing it to really dry out um and and kind of cure up in that way so that basically trying to reduce the amount of movement that occurs in the material from yeah picking up moisture or drying out and so hmm. you can either stabilize that which helps kind of lock up that material and seal it up or you could season it really well and that handle block was like seven years old by the time i finally put it to use um it was provided to me by the customer but the customer sent it to me like two years ago they had had it for three years themselves and the guy they bought it from had had it for like two years so it was it was well seasoned by the time i got it so when when you when you received it, did it come like a block or was it like the was it like it was a horn? It was or? blockish. So it was a full like one and a quarter inch wide cross section of the antler, uh, okay. from of the boss where it connects to the skull of the animal. 
Were you concerned at all in regards to, I mean, I don't know how expensive something like that yeah, is. Yeah, it's expensive. I mean, based on how it looks like, it looks like expensive. It, it is do, expensive. When you're working with something that you don't really work with a lot, I mean, how do you, once again, <laughs> what, what how do you go into... Take it do slow. You use a Forstner <laughs> bit or use special kind of drill bits? No. You, because I tell you what I would do, I would, if I were going to start in, I would get myself some fresh combat abrasives. Yes. And if you go to combat abrasives, 15% off off with promo code knife talk 15 but it's today this is coming out july 4th and on july 4th if you use the promo code july 4 yep you get 20 percent off so on july 4th you can get 20 percent off all your combat abrasives at combatabrasives.com normally 15 percent off with knife talk 10 on july 4th only 20 percent off with promo code july 4 okay yes back to it so you got the you got the block yeah how do you? What's the? You just grip. What's the, you drill it the same way you drill anything else. It drills pretty easily. It's actually kind of it's surprising uh, how soft the material is, um, especially when it comes to cutting. But you do want to use sharp drill bits. You want to use sharp belts, and sharp belts were really key. And so those belts from combat really helped make a difference in getting the work done. After posting that, a lot of people are like, "Oh my god, that probably smelled like shit." And you know, yeah. most natural materials, especially antler, do smell bad. They smell even worse when you're not using fresh belts. If you are burnishing or burning that material at all, it smells to holy fucking high hell. It is disgusting. Yeah. And um, so sharp belts are key. I also uh, have a really great ventilation system in my shop. So even though it was making dust and dust floating around, like I have an evacu a ventilation evacuation system that just sucks it right out. And so I, it's less of an issue. I can still smell a hint of it. It just, it kind of like it, but it's not horrid. I'm not like, fuck, I need to get out of the shop. It smells so bad kind of situation, right? So when you're working with this material, is it softer than wood? How would you describe how it kind of, yeah, I mean, I would, I would liken it to like maple. Yeah. It cut like maple to me. Um, and so yeah, fresh, fresh uh, belts was key oh so i got it all the way done it, but then on in some of these pores and some of these crevices that naturally occur in the material uh there was graphite so remember i was using the graphite to kind of uh... see the surface so i had to get in there with dental tools and some and rotary tools to kind of clean that shit out and then i had the backfill with super glue and then i actually ended up having to kind of like reshape the handle again but again, I was in the position where I was kind of blind and I couldn't see what I was doing. And then I was like, wait, what if I try soapstone? Let's see what happens with the soapstone. And soapstones are white. White. And it works like a fucking champ. It leaves kind of like this almost kind of a waxy sur- or it makes the surface kind of waxy and reflective. But you're, if you're only using it to see the material, it cuts right away. And, and, or it goes right away once you start hitting it with uh, the sandpaper or, or the belt. And it, w- it worked like a champ. So anybody, if you're having a hard time seeing, especially if you're doing facets, use a soapstone, especially on lighter materials. Um, because, uh, yeah, that was definitely a game changer and a lifesaver for me. And if I ever have to do that again, I am going soapstone immediately. 
Speaking of which, soapstone. I love soapstone when I'm using for Kydex. Oh, really? I use soapstone as the mark because it's the one thing that you can wipe off very, very easily right. with like Windex or something like that. Sure. If you use uh, pencil or if you use you can, if you use Sharpie, you have to get use like mineral spirits to use it off. Yeah. But, uh, soapstone just has enough of it have enough like resistance that. It really is. I love soapstone. I've been using soapstone for you know metalwork forever, right. and it's always great to have it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a. It just see it. That would have been. Uh, I must. It's, a, it's an incredible looking uh, piece, and it's got that uh, mokugame, mokume. <laughs> Mok- I, I call it. I say what I say. I don't know. I'm fucking what, whatever the hell it is. What do you got? Mokuteriyaki. No, it's a- yeah. Mokuteriyaki <laughs> sounds even better. That's a, that's a better name. Mokuteriyaki. A- Craig, name this one. Mokuteriyaki, Craig. <laughs> uh, it's called. I'm gonna write that down. Mokume gane, and so basically it is make its pattern. Pattern steel, but you're combining non-ferrous metals, um, which means metals without iron in them. So copper, nickel, some people use gold, some people use a mixture, uh, like they make their own metals, like uh, a metal called shokudo, which is a mixture of gold and with a little bit of carpet copper in there. But there's like specific weights and, and combinations. But anyways, people use it to, it's a very old traditional technique actually for making um, very interesting ornate uh, metals that then, especially in Japanese cult- culture, excuse me, they were raising pots out of them and cups and tea kettles and all kinds of crazy stuff using uh, raising techniques, which is kind of like a tiny anvil and a tiny hammer and you're spreading the material around. It starts as a flat sheet and as you continue to hammer it, it starts to lift it up and raise it up and turn into kind of more of a cup or vessel shape. And so, um, who is it? Bru- Binion. Somebody, I can't remember the guy's first name, uh, but his last name is Binion. And he, he learned these techniques like in the 70s or 80s and brought them over to the United States where he, he's been teaching at Carbondale um, in Illinois and sharing these techniques for a long time now. Um, and But so my friend Peter Swarsbert, uh, has been making mokume, but he's using a very different approach. So most most often, typically, or the traditional technique is a combination of plates, various uh, varying uh, metals. So you could do brass and bronze and nickel and copper and blah 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 blah. Um, and Peter is using a very different approach, and he made this gorgeous marbleized kind of figure uh, in the mokume. Um, and if people are interested in learning how to do that, Peter's got a Patreon where he teaches that technique. But it is, it is very, very user friendly. It's kind of, kind of fail safe. Uh, it's a pretty, but you do need some a few special equipment. Kind of like if you're doing anything where, where you're forging with a press or anything like that, you can make this material. Um, but people should go check that out because there's a. I think it's going to be kind of like the next evolution in how people. Uh, uh, em- embellish their work uh, and make patterned material that they can use to do that embellishing work. So when you're working with the 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 pattern welded steel and the mokume yeah. and the muskox, yeah. how are you doing, and then you have the black spacers in between, how right. are you dealing with 
making sure that there's no high spots or lumps or the one's grinding different than the other. And sure. obviously the mocha may and the, and the musk ox is going to be softer than the carbon steel. So right. how are you kind of making that transition seamless? Right. So for me, it has always been the, the only way I've, I can achieve that or accomplish that is by, um, is by having some sort of firm backing so that, as I'm grinding, usually I'm, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm kind of focusing force uh, on the metals, whether it's the, the integral bolster, the steel, or the mokume. You're talking about on the flat platen. Yeah, like on a flat platen. Okay. Um, and then the, the, whatever the, the musk ox, or even if it's wood, whatever it is, the softer material is getting cut as a secondary result as it, it because it's just there but really my focus is on the metal um because i find that if i try to focus too much on the wood and where it transitions up to the metal i will always undercut the material but if it's it, it happens to also get cut at the same time as the metal the platen will only go as deep as the metal without undercutting the wood um, so are but you, you need a, a firm backing of some sort. But, so using your platen or using a rotary platen also works well. Although because the rotary platen is usually like a belt that's floating um, without a firm backing. Um, if you spend too much time or you're working with dull belts, you can get that undercut effect, which is not desirable. So fresh belts and a firm backing of some sort. I've even used like four inch contact wheels to help kind of, blend that transition between steel and soft material whether it's wood or horn or whatever on the, so would you if you're using a flat platen are you thinking about the knife the knife going up and down on the platen or side to side on the platen and you're just kind of holding the the wood off the side or no 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 the, i'm trying to think about how you yeah do that. so that whole joint is on the platen okay so it's up and down uh, it is well because my bolster is at an angle. My my blade is actually side, so the blade portion is per parallel with the ground and perpendicular to the platen, basically, or maybe even at a slight angle. Um, because okay, so my, that two inches of platen is is focused on the bolster and then the wood. Yeah, so it's so okay. that actual transition between the steel and the wood or the antler is they're both on the platen at the same time getting cut and sculpted at the same time. But because you're cutting the steel or the harder material as the same at the same time as the wood with a firm backing, the belt's only going to go as far as the steel. It can't undercut the wood or your soft material. If that makes there sense. You go. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. And if you join Mareko's uh, Patreon, I'm sure he'll give you more technique, inside technique on how inside he does technique. it. Inside technique. I'm there to answer questions. It's, you know, I know I answer questions here, but there's, you know, we're kind of limited by time. I've spent an hour just answering one fucking question for somebody, you know? So, Jeez. how's that going, by the way? Is the Patreon going the well? Patreon's going great. Of- uh, the Patreon's going really good. It, I think people are enjoying, especially like the Discord community where people are asking questions and getting feedback from each other as well as from me. Um, you know, I do. What is Discord? So Discord is just like a messaging platform. You know, so there okay. used to be the forums, right? That people are a lot of people are very familiar with, like Blade forums or Kitchen Knife forums, or other like even Yahoo chat rooms back in the fucking ancient times. You know, right? Um, so it's the same thing, uh, or very similar, but it, you know, it's 
uh, it's like a constant thread though, but you can also, certain posts can get pinned. Um, they're easy. You can search throughout a thread, which makes it, you know, if you're just joining, even though the Patreon's been, or the Discord's been going for who knows how long, you can jump into a specific thread and search a keyword and you can find all the posts that have, that have that keyword and the conversations around that. Um, so it's a little bit more user friendly in that way. So it's, uh, it's a little bit. Yeah. Do you have to like take stuff out and, and and monitor it? Um, not really, not really. And and I've made it fucking very clear that if you if there's if you're being a dick at all, like you're fucking done. And you're I I have no time to like give people warnings or anything. You fuck up once, you're fucking gone, and that's it. Good for you. And no no memes with like funny faces, making eye gestures, and none of that shit either, right? You I would. That's what I. The me- you're you worried know, about the memes. <laughs> I'm worried about like all of someone says something and then there's like the picture of the person rolling their eyes. I'm just like, I don't have time for that. Either. Uh, I got you. I, I, that I might you. be out, out the door. Too. Yeah, sure. I get him out the door too. I, I like strict Morocco. I say, yeah, anyone, t- you fucking just <laughs> even tempt, attempt to cross the line. You're fucking gone. I, Take your I, money with yeah. you. I kick you out of the discord. You're no longer a part of the Patreon. and I block you on Instagram. <laughs> Damn. Have you ha- just, no, just be vague. Have you kicked someone off your Patreon? Not yet. Are you but I'm, close? I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you close? Have you, have no, you had no, any no. moments Fortunate, of like trigger finger? No, fortunately, haven't been close. And I, I think part of it is that we've made it clear. Like on my Patreon, I try to it's like make it clear what the purpose of that community is yeah. for. And it's, you know, there's You've rattled enough cages. Yeah, there's just well, and I think a lot of a lot of people are concerned too that there's no like. Um, I know I'm new. And so this is probably a dumb question. It's like, there's no fucking dumb questions. I'm still learning shit as much experience as I have. I'm still learning shit all the time. So, uh, it'd be funny if you, it'd be funny if you reprimanded the person who said that. I know I'm new in this dumb question. That is a dumb question. You're out of here. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Get out of here. here you take your money with you. We're not here for this. No, this is Patreon motherfucker. Come on. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I, you know, it's great, and, and um, I would think that it's a very helpful resource for a lot of people. Um, if I were working on a, 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 a – I'm going to be actually working on a couple of pro, um, integral bolsters for a, a, you got it. a collaboration with uh, Florentine Kitchen Knives. Oh, when right. I make the transitions, mm-hmm. I will be using RhinoWet. From Indossi USA, RhinoWet is the best stuff. I use it for everything. I got a pile of it, and actually, before Christmas, I bought a ton of RhinoWet from Texas Farrier Supply, and I used promo code Knife Talk Ten, and I got ten percent off my order. The guys at Texas Farrier Supply are great. Evan and the crew are kicking ass, and they are being super duper helpful. I believe we actually helped one of our listeners with a knife vice. And they got that knife vice. I was, uh, I'm going to be vague. We got uh, one of the listeners' wives contacted us, wanted to know where to get a knife vice. I said, go to Texas Ferry Supply, use promo code knife talk 10, and got the 10% off. So nice. uh, go to, definitely go to Texas Ferry Supply and get some of that Indos USA Rhino Wet. Now, it's up to you. We're having a good time. If you want to just keep chatting away, or you want to do questions or dilemmas, or you want to just you know, move like, on. Keep- I mean, okay. I think we. Pre- so the cakeaway was a great trip. Yeah, it was. And you're glad to be home. Yeah, I will say. T- I will say. Uh, so the one of the last episodes I was on was leading up to Blade Show, and we were talking about knife etiquette and all that kind of shit. And right. I, have you? I don't. I feel I was listening to the past episodes, and I don't think you guys heard the story about Rick. 
and his tell and the his story about Rick. Step, uh, his journey. Now I had supplies. on on full blast. I had Will, <laughs> Matt Stagmer. I had uh, I had um, <sighs> I had Wasteland Forge, and I had Nick Rossiano at the same time. They gave me their whole story. Okay. Would, the audio sucked, but uh, but it was a great conversation. <laughs> what happened with Rick? Who we love? We love Rick. Rick and his wife are fantastic. They are. Rick, Rick and Deb. They're great. Um, and Rick put together a, a solid. Uh, set he and he had everything from a little hunter all the way up to this monster of a bowie that was like 14 inch just the blade was 14 inches um he flew through uh the judging just fine he passed very easily um which i was anticipating for him anyways but he's so he's at his table he passed the judging he's there hanging out he's just kind of decompressing and kind of talking to people because um, also for all these guys in the judging, like you're, 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 you're supposed to submit your knives for the judging, but all, but you're also supposed to be setting up a table at the same time. And so you don't have anything to put on the table until the judging's over anyhow. So Rick gets there, he's talking to somebody and, um, at some point through the weekend, a, some fucking genius walks up and he, Rick's talking to somebody. He doesn't even say anything to Rick. He just starts picking up knives and he picks up the biggest fucking knife on the table, the 14 inch Bowie. And he start he apparently he licks his arm and then he starts to try to shave hair on his arm. No, with no, the knife. I don't No, no, I'm not done yet. Wait, not only does he shave hair, but he fucking slices his fucking arm open and starts bleeding all over the fucking knife and onto the table and hair's falling off and blood's getting on other knives. And Rick turns around and he's like, are you a fucking idiot? And the guy's like, I just wanted to see if it was sharp. And he's like, put that fucking knife down. Get the fuck out of here before I rip your goddamn head off. And... And the guy was like, I'm sorry. He's like, how, are wait, you even, how much blood was it? I guess it was a lot. Um, and the guy had to go find some first aid somewhere, but Rick was like, are you even looking for a $4,000 Bowie knife? And he's like, no, I just wanted to see if it was sharp. And he's like, if you're not looking to buy it, don't fucking touch it. <laughs> and oh my uh, the, God. I thought that that was, I thought that that was almost like a, a rumor that people would do that. I just cannot believe somebody would do that. Yeah, This guy was really smart. Um and really understands a quality homemade <laughs> knife, obviously. Oh my so God. he licks his arm. He Rick says what Rick's words were. He filleted himself. Um and yeah, it was sharp, that's for sure. But yeah, then what? then Rick had to clean up like this fucking. He took yeah, clean up this bloody mess and ugh. Dude, I cannot imagine an angry Rick Hall. He's oh, like dude. six foot five. And he's, he's a monster. Yeah, he is. A, when, when there's a picture of you and him standing next to each yeah. other, I mean, you were like up to it. You barely. I look like a tape. fucking Oompa Loompa. You, I mean, you legitimately look like you were like, you, you just get a fell off him. I mean, it's like you were, you're up to his nip. I look like he took a shit and now I'm, and now he's standing next to it. So I, if, 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 if a giant Rick Hall is screaming at me after I'm bleeding all over everywhere. I think I'm going to go home. Yeah, and I think I'm going to go home. You know, do, was he, I hope it guy didn't have to go to the emergency. Yeah, I have, I have no idea. And Rick didn't give a fuck. All he cared about is that that guy got the fuck away from his table. What and a story! Touching. Yeah, Jesus Christ. I mean, of all of them, you go up to you do that to like a little guy. 
the little guy's knives, maybe. But you don't go up to the biggest fucking dude there is. Let me cut yeah, myself honestly, in front of him Rick probably was one of the biggest guys at the show. He's, he's a huge. fucking huge guy. He's huge. And, uh, you know? I mean, he's Jesus. a sweet, he's very kind, very. It's fantastic. Yeah. Love he's Rick Hall. Great guy. Um, but, you know, he, he has a very, he comes from a very tough background. And, uh, yeah. And he, you know, he used to do a lot How of competitive tough. boxing and, oh, yeah, and bouncing. He's and, a he's, guy. and he used to fucking wrestle bulls and t- all this shit. And I was just like, <sighs> I, I don't he even understand me, how you're still he, fucking alive, bud. He told me that he does jujitsu and he rolled with Nate Diaz. Yikes. Yeah. He's no a, thanks. he's a, he's a monster. He's a monster, but he's like a real, mo- what a, what a, st- People, people never seem to. I'm, I'm always surprised at how stupid people are. Why would you? <laughs> yeah. Why would you do that? And so from now on, he's can't turn his back on his oh, shit. No, I was like, well, and I was like, honestly, because of the day and age we're in, like, I won't be surprised to see more people having like fucking sneeze guards in front of their table and just be like, oh. sorry, if you want to see something, you gotta ask first. But it's like Can that was supposed imagine? to be part of that etiquette, right? Uh, that they're talking about in Blade Magazine. Ask before you touch. And this fucking moron obviously didn't read well, that didn't, article. Didn't read that article. <laughs> he should have listened to Knife Talk, frankly. We would have talked. Now we're just going to have to have a, a real, like, a lecture. We're going to have a lecture series on what not to do. Oh, and number one is don't go up to Rick Hall and touch anything. No. Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, ask don't before you even hello. shake his hand. <laughs> don't even do that. Just wave and say hi from across the room. He's going to put it on you. You probably, cut your you arm probably off see him from across the show. I mean, for God's sakes, I mean, you know, you know, put it on you. What a, what a dummy. Yeah. What a real dummy. Well, that is quite a story, I must say. Yeah. Poor old, poor old Rick Hall had to clean someone's blood off his knife. So for some but unsolicited, good, great story. There's some unsolicited advice right there. I mean, it's a great story, though. <laughs> I mean, I, I, of all the stories I've heard, that's the best one. Actually, Ryan Brewer, I was told okay. by uh, Will and the guys that Ryan Brewer was flying in he was testing for journeyman smith with all with all the other you know 50 of them yeah he passed yeah congratulations no surprise he also is the he also is the guy who took the picture of will stelter years ago holding a sword and in the background there's a there i'm in the far back with joshua prince and i'm holding up the finger it's probably (laughs) one of my favorite pictures of all time because it's like you know wholesome will stelter with his like you know his sword and he looks very very young and then i'm in the background giving the new york finger with with josh uh josh prince but so the story goes that um that uh ryan was had to fly in to atlanta and he packed his his set and he wrote a note he wrote a note to tsa saying these are being judged for a very specific thing you can open them up but don't touch them and i'm obviously i don't know the whole story i'm just kind of you know whatever will and all those guys said and the tsa agent opened it up and stuck his thumb on the blade so when ryan got the the knife back he had to take off this oxidized thumb print nobody tells me what to do yeah, especially in a you, note. Frankly, I mean, frankly, you know, there are a lot of people who would do the same thing. Please don't touch this, and you touch it. You're like, oh, yeah, you mean awful. like this? <laughs> yeah, you mean like this? That's right. That's right. You're like, tell me. You know what? You're probably exactly right. It was probably like he probably looked at it and saw the note. He's just like, oh fuck this guy, and he stuck his big old thumb on it. And it's like, you know, and poor this poor kid had to let you know. You can only imagine what all these guys are going through anyway. And all of a sudden, they got a. You know, you got to clean a big old thumbprint. I don't know. I mean, I, it's all too much for me. But, However, I would suggest, I would think yeah. that 
that you, if you're a pile of guys going to apply for the uh, journeyman Smith thing, why don't you all get on a table and then you can fool around? You know, I don't understand the whole one table thing. If only well, Blade, five Sh- Blade Show has rules about sharing tables and shit like that. They want, they want their money. They want their money. Forget it. Well, I mean, you know, I, I've made the, I, I, I've, I've promised, I made a promise and I'm not talking about it anymore, but I will test at some point. I'm, I'm in good, good standings. Yeah. You know, I was talking to Matt Stagman. He gave me a lot of trouble and I was thought, and I, and now that I'm getting ready, my kid's going to, I'm going to be a senior in college. I'm thinking about things to do and I'm, and, uh, with, I, I'm not, I'm not doing it anytime soon. I'm I'm back to the square one. I was so bad paying that like I'm back to like three years. I, I made the joke. It's like, I've been, I've been on and off with, with, uh, ABS for so long in theory, in terms of time, I could be a master bladesmith by now, but I don't pay on time and I don't practice and I don't do it. So at some point I'll, I'll do it. Maybe, this last maybe you and I can it. test at the same time. Cause I oh, actually, you gonna... I, I lapsed my membership. So I'm back to, <laughs> to square one. Well, too. I'm telling you, dude, we're, we're going to be, that's the, that's the mood. And somebody, somebody said to me, well, you know, we could talk to somebody. I'm like, you know what? I don't deserve it. I don't deserve special treatment. Just let me fucking start from square one again, and I'll get it when I get it. And, but uh, but it is something I I, I think I, I think I need some peril in my life. We can we can do it. You, it. me, and Jeremy Spake. How's that sound? Two years. I'm or I'm three not, years because ma- we can't test in three years for three years. I listen. Jeremy Spake, road to victory. Got to get him back in this thing. Yeah. And uh, actually, you know what? Speaking of which, I, that's funny you mentioned Spake. I was talking to Spake a while ago. A couple, uh, maybe a lot, week or two ago, yeah. and he was going on a date or something like that. Ooh. And he said, he said, there was something I said, do you want me to like, you said, do you want me to, you know, try to hook you up with a date? Are you looking for like a knife talk Tinder situation? And I started to think, for some reason, I thought maybe we should, you know, try to, you know, hook Jeremy Spake up on a, like a Tinder date for knife talk. But I mean, ain't no women listen to this thing except for maybe two or three. Yeah, but there's I, like there's like thought, five of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. It's fine. So anybody know? I just let you know, Jeremy Spake's looking for love. You know, he may be looking for love, boy, looking for love. So there's that. Uh, he's probably not looking for love. He's probably fine. But yeah, yeah. So that's the the story. Is is Mareko, Jeremy, and I are going to test in three years three. if we don't if we don't forget to pay. You know, otherwise there you go. That's what we do. To- we say who's going to join us, and then we'll we'll get the next biggest class of people in three years there's gonna be like 80 fucking i can't people. take the pressure i can't take the pressure <laughs> so seriously I, I i gotta do the. i'm gonna do the i if i do it i'm gonna do the nick rossi move where you just i mean you just show up like a fucking phantom and like don't say a goddamn Nobody thing and really. leave. Yeah. oh dude that was the gangsterest of gangster moves well and you the trick is you go to one of the smaller sh- like the the dallas show or something like that where there's like two other people testing yeah, but and there's this, like this hardly just, anybody there. Yeah, but he went to like the main event and he just like walked in the room, plopped his shit down, and like, I mean that was like that was the main <laughs> event. That was like like the Undertaker showing up or something like that. It was like such a <laughs> it was a badass move. And if I the were bells do ringing, some I just bells ringing, <laughs> you, know, you know, yeah, he's just walking in like the Undertaker, and, he, and everyone's like, oh shit, Nick Ross, he's here, the Undertaker. <laughs> and if I were gonna do some, if I were gonna do some high level stuff, I would be going to Maritime Knife Supply to get all my stuff 
It's a one-stop stop, one stop shop for knife makers They're up in Canada, but be they send to the United States, and maybe the dollar is going to work for you up there. So if you go to MaritimeKnifeSupply.com, they stock belts, handle materials, tools, forges, kilns, and much, much more. They are also the Canadian distributor of combat abrasives. They also sell RhinoWet and all that other stuff. So go to MaritimeKnifeSupply.com and get yourself some of that good 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 because he is a super great supporter of the maker community oh, yeah. and anyone who's a supporter of the maker community is fine by me all you snapback hat guys go get yourself some of that it's maritime this, knife supply snapback talk do you know about do you know about this i wear a snapback listen i'm gonna tell you we're gonna be vague okay we're gonna, now we're not doing any questions anymore we're not doing any <laughs> questions are out we're not doing questions we're not doing dilemmas it's just you and me I, there's a there's a big story that's happening we're gonna be vague because it's been talked about enough but i'm just Wait, super not interested in any problems before we get into that can i okay. add one more thing about maritime go ahead i just saw that they just loaded up on steel and they got some massive it looks like one inch 5200 bar stock which is great for integrals it's a bear to forge but it makes a killer integral knife so go check maritime out for some of that material that's sure. a, that's a strong move there you go so recently in the last couple of weeks there was and i'm going to be vague okay. and i'm going to now that you don't know what i'm talking about no we're going idea. to have the un your unedited opinion okay a guy was writing online somebody asked him was i guess he was a instagram guy he's a good dude i'm not going to say his name i'm not going to say the company's name okay and they asked him what he uses to finish a, pro, a piece of wood with and they asked him about well, this product versus product B. Okay. He said that he just didn't like product B. He just didn't like it okay. or whatever. He, I don't think he said anything. He didn't tag the, the, the company or whatever. Yeah. So the guy who runs the company got on the thread and, and just beat, beat his brakes in. Whoa. Just saying. Just saying. From the company that just, the guy did not prefer. Correct. Okay. And beat his brakes is, is not true. He just said, I don't, you know, basically he said that this is the problem nowadays that there are all these companies and they're not telling their customers the truth. And then the next thing you know, he says that, and now they're getting all these influencers and all these guys with in working in their garages and with their snapback hats. <laughs> and it was, he was making a joke, but it was like, it was making it, he was trying to be funny, okay. but he was making a joke and he was just like, basically tearing up the maker community to a certain degree not really tearing them up but just like being going hard in the paint on them interesting you know? okay so it became this monumental thing in the maker community and people are throwing it taking videos and throwing it the guy's product out and you know it makes good products i mean uh -huh. it's a product after this we'll talk about it i'll tell you sure and it was a whole, and they're going after him, and then this guy doubles down, and he's just talking about how the you know, propaganda from different, you know, sealant companies, and it's just this whole war against this maker community. And okay. the maker community is like, they're tearing him up, they're putting it on him. So that's why I've been saying all the snapback, the you. snap. I've been they've been calling him the snapback, <laughs> the snap, and then all the maker community guys are saying the snapback hat community is, you know, they're all, you know. It's like in peak skill, they, they were, who cares, but uh, that's the story. So it's, it's, but it's like, it's like affecting this guy's business clearly, or he doesn't seem to care. Mm -hmm. And the maker community is, is rallying against it. The funny thing is, is 
a good friend of mine. I'm not going to say his name either. He okay. writes, you know, with what's going on in the world, all of a sudden, you you know, with all the po- politics going on and all that things going on in the world, all you care about is this goddamn snapback hat thing. What about the other stuff in the world? I, I kind of agree <laughs> with him. But at the same sure. time, it's like that's what's going That's what you missed while you were away okay. in, in the maker community. There's um, the snapback hat controversy. Very, well, I mean, like they're not controversial. They just didn't like they just they didn't like getting you know they didn't like getting a towel snapped at them, and they didn't take you. it very well. I got you. And they just kind of like you know they're tearing this guy up, and this guy's doubling down. You don't you don't you don't, you don't want to hear about. I it. mean, I wear a snapback hat, but I'll tell you, I do prefer one of those kind of like paramilitary whatever. <laughs> oh yeah, you combat like the, hats you, like Mister like Uncle Fidel John Castro. Yeah, you like the Fidel I fucking Castro. Love that hat, dude. Yeah. I got a big melon. Me and John both right. got. Giant noggins. You keep you keep you keep putting him in. It's it. a bucket. You keep putting. You, get, you put you well, put your whole head in that bucket. It's great. I, I love that thing. Fine. So there you go. So that was the story. That's the story All that right. you missed. That's it's been going on the thing. It's not a very big deal. Actually, now that I think about it, but that was, <laughs> I figured I'd fill you in. I appreciate it. So back to back to story. So we can we can talk. Uh, we can do dilemmas. We can do questions. Your call. Let's do let's do some dilemmas. Sounded okay. like you guys had some good dilemmas last week. Maybe uh, there's a, maybe there's a yeah, few there was, we had some good, couple good things. Now this one is a funny one okay. from Jens. This comes from Jens, and if you want li- to, if you want to interact with the show, and when Craig comes back, we're probably going to do some more listener feedback and hot takes and community showcase. Go to Instagram, follow us, Knife Talk Podcast, and Instagram, and you can interact with the show. So this one comes from Jens at Jens says, "Okay, here's your dilemma. You three meet up." And let's pretend Mr. Fader's workshop to hang out with each other to make knives or so. Or so, Which one of you gets sick of the others first? Mareko's temper can't last forever and Craig gets tipsy and starts talking shit. Just a fun subject. Greeting from Belgium. Snee knives. Snee knives. So who's getting sick of it first? Uh, you're all in my shop. I was a pretty good host. You've been in my yeah, shop. Yeah, you're a great host. A in fact, host. if anything... I think you'll get sick of us and because we're going to be there at 2 o'clock in the morning and be like, all right, we got to get the fuck out of here and go to sleep. You're kind of the grandpa. I would say that you have analyzed me perfectly perfect <laughs> except for one thing. Okay. You think I'm waiting till two o'clock in the morning? Oh, no, it's gonna be like ten o'clock, <laughs> maybe I, even nine. I, once again, yeah, we're talking five thirty. Get the fuck out! I've had enough. You know that it, that would probably be the only problem. I think I had. A, I just did this video, and I had a good time doing the video, and we only did it for two hours. But after two hours, just like you've got to wrap this up now. We have got to be done now. <laughs> it's I. We got. We. I have things to do. Sure. We have got to go. And he wanted to talk, and I was like. It's enough already. We don't we don't have to talk anymore. <laughs> uh, I would agree uh, with that answer. So the next one comes from Paul Jansen. Paul Jansen says, here's a rant about a customer I had. A guy wanted a knife, and I was almost I was mostly already done with it. Okay. I told him it would take two more weeks to finish, and he was fine with that. Okay. Then he decided to message me every damn day asking for an update and how things were going. I don't sell many knives, so when I try to play nice and I try to play nice and play along. Yikes. I try to be nice and play along. He's also requested that I include a letter of authenticity. I wasn't sure why he wanted one since I'm no name I'm a no name maker who didn't have a maker's mark at the time, but I put a letter in with the knife anyways. After he gets the knife, he tells me he loves it and he's trying to sell it for more than I charged. 
<laughs> because I had an official letter of authenticity from the maker. What a dick, right? But I let it go and I moved on. Then a year later, this happened. I get another message from him asking if I remembered the knife I made for him. Okay. And I told him that I did, and I hope he was. And I said I hope he was still happy with it. Then he tells me he's selling it because he never used it. Why would he message me every day for two weeks and then never even use the damn thing? Sorry it's a long one, but that's my bad customer story. I, yeah. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I think. Do you have to do that kind of stuff? I, I think somebody, that guy must have saw, especially if it's a talented maker, but they have, uh, they're not very well known. You know, you could probably get a hold of their work for a decent price. And I bet that person saw, ooh, this is an opportunity to buy something low and then sell it high or some shit like that. And honestly, like the letter of authenticity is like that i don't know i don't think that really adds this isn't like those coins that you order out of the like the newspaper or some shit like that right. <laughs> like oh you get a letter of authenticity that this was you know minted in 1976 or some shit like that so i actually had a uh when i was using i had I was finishing off the last of the uh pappy van winkle uh bourbon barrel a guy reached out to me and he says do you have a certificate of authenticity that's from pappy van winkle and I wrote to him, I'm like, look, no, I don't. I can tell you that this is, this is, I have a letter thanking me from Julian Van Winkle. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not in the game of like faking it. Like, right. And number three is, is like these barrels from Buffalo Trace. Sure. Who the hell knows where it came from? Right. You know, it's like, there's no, it's not, it's not like showing up in like a military briefcase with like a silver, silver embossed <laughs> stamp on it. The whole, that whole thing is crazy. Yeah. But it was because probably wanted to, you wanted to make sure so we could sell it. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the, yeah, I guess, yeah. I mean, it, it could be possible to get just a little thing of, of them saying, but also that's, that's a whole nother bag of bullshit that you probably don't really have any interest in dealing with to, to, cause you're not banking on that to sell the work, right? You know, it, the work stands on its own. You know, it's be, fun to have that story and repurposing materials from different things and, and all that. But, 
you know, to have certifications and letters from everybody like is ridiculous. But there are people who buy anything and sell it for a profit. I mean, people flip houses, people right. buy cars to yeah. sell. I'm sure that there's a secondary market for your knives, clearly. Yeah. So, I mean, like, how do you feel when somebody under the auspices, like, so it sounds to me like, and I would think too, because I had at one time, somebody told me one of my knives is on eBay. Sure. And I looked and I saw the knife and I remembered who it was. Mm-hmm. I remembered the guy. Right. He was a chef uh, up in uh, New Hampshire or something. Okay. And he was very specific and he wanted it. Da, 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 da. And he, I mean, he didn't touch this thing. He, he bought it and then he bumped the price up and... We just, you know, that's the way it is. I mean, I'm not selling my knives for, you know, 10 grand, so it's not a big deal to me. I do whatever the fuck. I mean, I tell somebody, as you can take that knife, as soon as you open it up, you throw it out the window for all I care. <laughs> I mean, I don't really, you know, you do whatever the hell you want with it. Yeah. But, like, how do you feel about that whole, like, secondary market, but not, but the, but not really saying it's the secondary market? Do you think that it's for a customer, but they're really just doing it to resell? Yeah. If it was like, if somebody was, <clears throat> Buying something for me literally to just turn around and resell it, that might be a little bit annoying. But at the same time, you, you're taking that chance with everything you sell. And so, um, but it would be weird, especially if somebody, like it might change my uh, opinion or, or my willingness to build something. If somebody's like, yeah, this is really great. This is going to sell awesome. And I'll be like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and then they say, oh, yeah, I'm looking but to sell it, this after after you finish it. I'm like, well. But does it really matter? I mean, if that's you true. Agree to, you know, I don't know. If you agreed to your price, right. it just feels shitty. It feels it just, yeah, it, it, feels it feels weird, shitty. honestly. But generally speaking, though, I'm actually perfectly fine with the secondary market. Uh, on my work and i've 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 actually helped uh people who were looking to sell my knives that they had purchased from me i've helped them like make the knife look fancy and pretty again before they turn around and sell it and it's so that's like i don't have a problem with that but maybe i have a problem with somebody just buying something from me and then immediately flipping it versus flipping it you know five years down the road what's the fucking difference there's Honestly, I know why isn't. you feel that way. Okay, let's hear it. I know why you feel it. It seems like logically there shouldn't be a difference, but it does feel different and it doesn't feel there, good. It's a difference. Now, now because you are making art, you're making something that means you something saying? to you. I've told you. I flipped my chair. I told uh, you. I, your art I, teacher fucked you up. He, didn't, he, <laughs> he made me see the line. But I mean, regardless of it, whether it be sculpture or not, it is something of yours that you put your 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 heart, heart and soul, soul into. into. Yep. And it's something that means more to you than just being an object. Right. Some people aren't what for me, I don't get too horned up about it and, and I don't really you know, if you wanna if you wanna sell it I don't get too I get irritated, but at the same time I don't get crazy. But I would think that for some people it would it's a it it lessens it cheapens the motivation that you put behind that work. You know, it makes you feel like it commoditizes and all of a sudden the importance of what you've done doesn't mean anything anymore. Mm. They don't, they're, they're not taking it right. as seriously I you. as yeah, you are. I think you're right. Yeah, because I do feel like the, the, the work, most of the work I build, most of the knives I build, they, they are, I'm learning from them. Um, I'm, their experiments and different patterns, they feel like 
a part of my path, an extension of myself and ex- my own personal yeah. expression of creativity that is right. then going out into the world. And then for somebody to actually not give a shit about that and to turn around and flip that doesn't feel good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like a beanie baby or something or a baseball card. I mean, that's <laughs> I see when I right. see these people, because we know these people. I know some of these people. I know some of these guys who listen to this podcast who buy knives and flip them around. Sure. I know, I know, I know, I hear them. I trust me. They chirp at me when I, when I, when I get a little too close to the fucking vest. Yeah. Trust me. So, I mean, I can see, I can see a lot of people who would not feel, not be understanding, mm-hmm. not be understanding towards the commoditization of your passion. Right. I mean, it's annoying, you know. Yeah, it's not like scalping tickets at a Yankee game, you know. It's like, right? It's it's not it's it's taking something and then just kind of turning it around, right? Yeah. Do you do like a, a, a certificate of authenticity? Always, since the start. Well, what does that entail? I actually encouraged Bob to start doing certificates of authenticity, especially when he was doing the auctions, and he, you know, we started doing them. Um, and so when I first started out, that was a a very standard practice and it really it's pretty basic straightforward you know it just says like it has a date and it has a signature and and when the you know and all the details about the knife and and whatnot i don't necessarily add the person in but it it, it accurately describes the knife so that you know it is something that um can move along with that piece you know for all i know people (laughs) unbox the thing and and the the certificate goes in the the junk drawer and gets lost and eventually recycled somewhere down the road um but i do have one i have two knives that i bought okay that i i still in the box and this one this one i'm looking at it right now it's one of the first montana knife company knives but the best part is oh the misspelling the misspelling on the box. <laughs> That's and right. And I fucking, when I had Josh on, yeah. I let him know. I said, I want to know if this makes it more valuable because you guys are stupid. I mean, I don't know what you did. No, nah, somebody just missed the letter. <laughs> yeah. I, they, it was like, it was a total, it was a complete misprint. Yeah. And I didn't even notice it until I was getting ready to, to talk with him. I'm like, all right, I got something to talk to him about. But I mean, I would never, I don't really get, but however, all of a sudden to me, that box, I was just, in my mind, I'm thinking that box is worth something now. Be only be, because it's funny because I told him, he's like, oh, he's like, oh, you got one of them first <laughs> 3,000 boxes with the misprints because they had to go through them. Right. This was before they were like, you know, selling out in three seconds. Right. I mean, they were like, you know. That's hilarious. Next question. Right. Next dilemma. This it. one's pretty good if you want. All right. This one comes from Metal Works by Miola. Miola. Metal works by Metal Work by Miola. M-E-O-L-A. Tough dilemma coming in. I just sat down and went back and forth on a custom order for a good two hours, sketching and talking with a guy, only to find out that he quote can't pay until mid July on the fifty percent deposit I required before starting. Where could have I where could I have improved? Should I start charging for drawings and risk losing interest? Should I only require a $100 deposit just to cover materials as opposed to having him pay half up front? Or is this another guy who just wants to, quote, be involved? Right. Thanks again, y'all. Y'all are the best. I mean, that's a good one. That's consultation. I mean, I feel like, unfortunately, that is a common practice, even in uh, like graphic design, right? I mean, that's basically what we're doing. It's kind of a form of graphic design where we then t- turn around and make 
that thing, right? But there, a lot of that is done on spec, hoping for that sale. Now, if you know you're selling a knife for maybe three hundred fifty, even of upwards of seven eight hundred dollars, you know that amount of time is time you could have been spending getting shit done. Um, and maybe it's worth it. I guess each person has to answer for themselves individually. Is that time worth it to make that sale or is it not? Even if that guy can't pay right away, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. There's a couple ways to go. You can just decide to go with it or what I don't do now. We're at the point now when I don't do that shit. Sure. And, and, and I, it's just because it's too, it's just, you can't start fooling around. I don't fool around with the DMs anymore. Just once in a while with someone I know. But like, I had a guy actually recently. I had a guy who it says in the bio, I don't do business in the DMs. Please okay. send send an email to the email that's attached in the bio. Yeah. And this guy writes me this whole fake thing, and I just decide, and I I know that it's I'm not going to do it because it's like once again these chefs who want flatware made. It's like. They they mm. they want the sh- when a chef wants flatware made, you know they're not going to pay, because you got if you want to if you want to have steak knives made, don't deal with the chef. The chef don't know nothing. You know you deal with the purchaser, you deal with a you know general manager or something. Yeah, the, per- the whoever's signing thinks, the check. Whatever, not, exactly. Yeah. So because all of a sudden you get the bill and then they try to like you know they try to squeeze. It's so this guy. So I wrote I, I just didn't answer and then he sent me back a week later just question mark question mark question mark and i just erased the whole thing i'm just like look if you can't read follow the directions yeah the problem is is like some of these guys they they are total time vampires and it's like it's the worst but i do have a funny story that happened to me when i was younger and it was like a very traumatic situation i probably even told this story before okay so when i had a shop in greenpoint brooklyn i was doing like I was going to culinary school and I was working for a couple of artists as a welder for their understructures for their sculptures. And then every so often I'd get an opportunity to bid on a job. And there was this woman who knew some people that I knew and they wanted me to design a campaign bed. Campaign bed is, uh, it's, it's what the idea was. It was from, uh, Napoleon. Napoleon is there, and it was the headboard and the and the footboard were on a pivot, so like you would you the side parts of the bed would come apart. It was metal, okay. and then the the headboard and the and the the bottom part of the bed would be on a pivot, and then it would almost be like a folding chair. I see. So something, it it, and the, so you can move it around during like a, a right a military campaign. Right, and then you. the and then the and then the uprights would lead you know would be twisted steel and there would be like an awning on the bed okay. it was like a whole big production so they wanted me to do a drawing for it and i did the drawing for it and it was such a production of the drawing and i figured out how, and i wasn't even a blacksmith then i was actually i got a bid from uh this great blacksmith in in long island city uh tom ryan he was gonna, and i i he was gonna do the twist bars and all that stuff and i was just gonna fabricate the whole thing did the drawing, and then someone in my family who we're not very close with saw what I was doing and said, you need to charge for that drawing. And I said, well, but I, I didn't say I was going to charge for the drawing. And they said, you're charging for the drawing. I don't, you're not putting it in the mail unless you put a bill in with it. And she's, this is how business is done. I said, okay, how much do you think I should charge? It's two hundred fifty dollars. Like really? This is like nineteen ninety eight. Okay. You know, this is nineteen ninety eight. I was like, really? Two hundred fifty? All right, that's what they say. So I stuck the drawing in the mail. Stuck the drawing in the mail with the check for 
250 bucks on the invoice. <laughs> and then I forget about it. Right. Next thing you know, my wife and I are about to go on vacation, our first vacation together. We're going to go to St. John of the Virgin Islands. We've been saving all this money. And and she was finishing something up. And back in the day, we had a very, very small apartment. And I, I just decided, you know what? I'm on vacation. I'm going to smoke some weed. So I smoked a little weed. I got fucking zooted. And I just like, back in the day, it was like I would smoke some weed. And then because our apartment was so small, I said, I just, I'm going to just tuck myself into the sock drawer. Right. Perfect. You're never going to see me again. Don't worry about it. I'm like, you're like putting a, putting a coat away. That's what you're doing. So I smoked this weed. We're getting ready tomorrow morning to take the plane. I've all packed up. I'm just relaxing. I'm excited for vacation. The phone rings. This woman's screaming on the phone so loud. Who do you think you are putting a bill in this? And do you know who I am? And no, I've never, no one's ever done this to me for a, just fucking lighting me up, lighting me up, just obliterating me. And I'm high as a kite and I'm fucking mortified this is the worst my worst nightmare when i was right. in high school and i smoked some weed i'd unplug the phones oh sure is, i would unplug the phones i i needed like i could not be bothered with humanity and my smoking worst the wrong nightmare kind of weed i just i was a kid i didn't know what the fuck i mean i was like i get anything and i just i wanted nothing i would no human contact that's what i wanted yeah this woman tore me up, and she's screaming and hollering, and I just said, just don't pay it. Just leave me alone. Just If you don't want to pay it, don't pay it. Right. Needless to say, I didn't get the job, and then I, <laughs> and then I, I tore ass. I tore the ass. Oh, she probably thought that I was going to, like, you know, give her the old shank in the back once the, once the bill comes to actually do it. So I let the person know who I did that that was the worst experience of my life. Mm. There you go. So... It's my suggestion to this guy is next time just drop an invoice, do what I did, and drop an invoice in with the drawing. Regardless, don't just don't tell him, don't tell him you're going to charge him for the invoice, and then just stick that invoice in for two hundred fifty dollars and say Fader says it's going to work. Yeah, pay up, sucker. Well, yeah. and I think the hard part. I mean, when you're when it's early on. I mean, I know like you, you, earlier you were saying you don't mess with that now, but even I like I would spend a lot of time. Like, cause I was like desperate to make that sale, you know, co- talking to the person or emailing back and forth and shit. Um, and when, when you're early on, like you kind of, that's part of, you know, they call it the school of the hard knocks and, and, and that's part of the shit that you kind of have to deal with sometimes. Uh, if you're lucky, you don't, you could just not have to deal with that stuff, but I mean, I've done it myself. I had a fucking guy that was the worst order I ever had, but this fucking guy, I had like over 200 email exchanges with this guy and it was like 20 to my like one or two. Right. And he was just, he wasn't even half the time. He wasn't even talking about the fucking knife. He was talking about his life, his issues with his mother-in-law, his fucking daughter and the issue, like getting divorced and all this. I'm just like, Oh my God, when did I, where does it say therapist next to bladesmith you know dude seriously and so so, you know yeah figuring out with that line and sometimes like you just got to eat it and deal with it it's hopefully it's i I feel like they are very in my experience it's been very far and few in between uh i do think like you were saying before people just want to feel like they're part of the process and so right um you know, if there's a way to pare that down so it doesn't take two hours of your life where it's like, cool, what's your favorite color? And like, or, or not even ask what's your favorite color would be like, these are the handle choices I have. 
these are the blade profile choices you can choose from. And then that's fucking it. But even that lets them be part of the, the process to where it's like, cool, they feel involved and you can move the fuck on and get shit done. Um, but it does sound like the issue is right that he, that the guy can't pay for the deposit right away. So it's like, I don't know. Like, do you make it a policy of where, you know, first you take a deposit and then you start having a conversation with somebody, you know, you get the, you lay out, you know, this is my pricing for this style of knife. Um, I'll need a deposit before we continue moving forward. I mean, I feel like that's completely fair too. That's being respectful of your own time and kind of making them be respectful of your time. Cause otherwise you are potentially this guy, you know, he says he's going to pay it later and then he could just drop out for all, you know, and that time's gone. That's we've gotten i mean we've gotten this is the reason why we are doing the neptune sunrise color lab sure. and we have it on and there's no back and forth right. and we do have we still do custom orders like i do we do about like 15 or so custom orders a month and then everything else is what we're making what we're making yeah and it has really helped us in terms of that time of going back and forth and back and forth which sometimes is good i mean sometimes sometimes you i've totally believe that being flexible in regards to what i make has led me down the road of designs that i wouldn't have thought of or color patterns that i wouldn't have thought of or opportunities that i just were out of my you know i've done knives that i just don't like the colors at all but at the same time i've learned a lot out of it yeah the problem is always is you're dealing with guys like the guy who picked up the knife from from uh, Rick Hall and cut his fucking arm off. <laughs> the, 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 there's a lot of not common sense. And yeah. There's 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 also a lot of people just like having a feeling like you're having a relationship with them online, and they feel as though you. I mean, they feel as though the, all you want to do is talk about knives. Yeah. You know, or the, there's there's a massive disconnect with the way people talk and the way people hear and yeah. and it's just you have to you have to figure out what's my most efficient way to go through with this. Well, and I think what's you know? really smart and and obviously is working for you guys with the Neptune Sunrise. And I hear just a step back for a second. I, I hear a lot of makers say talk about how, you know, the customer doesn't know what the fuck they actually want. Um and you give them too many options up front, they end up making this abomination that when they get it, they might not be happy. They think they might be happy with it. And I've heard horror stories of people being like, "Oh wow. I've even had a customer who's like, "Hmm, I don't know about this handle material. It's a bit loud." And I'm like, you fucking chose that handle material. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you. This is, this is that's on you. That, but what you've done, what I think is genius, what you've done with the Neptune Sunrise, is in a gentle and fun way. You've kind of basically told people, this is what you want. You don't know what the fuck you want. This is what you want. But you do it in a fun, cool way, so that people are following along the story. They're following along all the different builds, and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I want. That's what I want. And they fucking buy it. That's it. Well, it's we're 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 doing something that I want to do, and then we're eliminating a lot of. There, you're you're right about the customers because there are a lot of people like there's guys who when they go into a restaurant they'll never order what's on the menu they'll always <laughs> the change or, it. ordering off the menu. <laughs> well, no, they'll change. I want this from this and this from this, yeah. and they feel as though that they know better. They know better than the chef. Or they want to pressure the chef or they want to like push their, the chef's creativity. I know people who do that with me. And I say to the, I've said to one guy, 
I'm sure you don't buy. I'm sure you give when you order at a restaurant. I'm sure you give the waiter problems. What do you say about that? I'm mean, like, I, I can tell you want to you you want you want to change things. I want it to be like this, but I want it to be like that, and I want it to be like this and like that. And you're not giving any. You're not giving any um, faith in the amount of time we've spent doing what we're doing. Sure. Like there are guys who you know I I'll, I I've actually. There's good and bad to it. Like there was a woman who said she, when I first started making knives, my hands are really small. I need you to make the handle smaller, and that actually made me make the handle smaller in general. And I'm sure. glad I did. Yeah. But at the same time, there's one people who are just like, I need this harpoon clip on this chef's knife because that makes me cook better. D- <laughs> Stop it, dude. We get that shit all the time. We get that shit all the time. I need a fu- that whole harpoon clip fighting chef knife because that's important. Right. It's like you pl- stop playing. There's a lot of people who go out there and they're playing, yeah. you know, and you, you, that, that's the hardest part about knife making is customers who they want something special and they yeah. want something that's not off the rack and they want to have a commitment and they want to have this kind of creative outlook or output from you. Okay. And it's like, if you can do it, do it. But it's these people who like waste your time. And then when the bill comes, they take off. Those are horrible human beings. They are. They're horrible human beings. You know, I don't know. I agree. Those are the those are the best of the dilemmas. We could do. Well, what we got? Yeah, um, let's jump to something else. We, we, just, that was the strong one to end on. That's the song. So, but before we jump onto something else, let's just talk about our grinders. Yes. We use Broadbeck Ironworks grinders. Their two by seventy two grinder is beautiful. It's for knife makers by knife makers. The guys are doing a great job. And not only are they selling grinders, they are selling leather sewing machines. Not only are they selling leather sewing machines, they have a new sharpening system on the market that is a really great sharpening system, especially if you're a knife maker that's doing volume and you right. need something a little bit more than just soaps. Zones. You want a little bit more, a little bit more power. You want a little bit more versatility. Their new grinding system is their new sharpening system is really great. So go check it out at broadbeckironworks.com. Yeah. And if you put in promo code Knife Talk in the promo code, you will be upgraded to the Mareco Platin. That's the that's the flat platin, the Mareco design with Broadback, and it's great. I used it today. It's my favorite of all the flat platins. Yeah, it's boy. Just, so good. It's I believe <laughs> I personally believe it's got more torque, but that's just could be me. Um, so go get yourself some of that Broadback Ironworks. Go get yourself a sewing machine. Get the sharpening system. Go get your attachments that are going to fit on the other grinders. Broadback Ironworks, you've done it again. So thank you very much, Broadback Ironworks. I'm golf clapping right now. Golf clapping. That's it. So it let's hit a couple questions yeah. and we'll get the fuck out of here. Um, you want to hit the first one? Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I was like in Broadback's Instagram making sure they didn't have any promos going on or anything right now. Oh, yeah. P.S. Check out their promos during the holidays because during right. the holidays, they always got something going on. All right. Our first question is from Turtle Knight Forge. Uh, he says, hey, guys, longtime listener, and I just keep hearing the same questions uh, formatted differently and it's always something with fund your own find your own style uh what i want to know is your individual opinion on what would be a good next step after finding your style for this scenario just imagine that a style has been developed by a no-name maker and it has been through trial and error and is ready for the market so you got your style yeah. you figured it out like i'm not seeing what's the, the next step okay what's the what's next the step, next step? What do you think? 
you fucking get it into people's hands, get people using it. Um, I mean, honestly, um, you know, it, it seems really old school, especially in the day of like Facebook and Instagram. Um, but getting, getting work into people's hands and them having nice things to say about it is, is still tried and true. Um, and that is how I honestly, like my work started to pick up. People just start more and more people were taking a chance on it and trying it out and fucking loving them. And then they were telling other people that they knew who were of the same mind when it came to culinary knives, especially, you know, whether it's hunting knives, bowing knives, whatever else kind of knife, whatever you're doing, you want to try to get it in those people's hands, especially the ones that, um, you know, it, trying to get them into people's hands to uh, who might be able to say something kind about it or, or to help help promote it in a way. Um, but in, especially in the culinary knife world, um, you know, they have forums just dedicated to culinary knives and people are constantly looking for, um, you know, the next best thing or, or just a great knife in general. Um, and, and word of mouth the kind of grassroots spread of uh, spreading the word about your, the quality of your work really helps. Um, I don't know. What to, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I think it's, also be taking progressing as a maker, not having a perfectly polished idea to start with also isn't the worst idea though, or, or isn't the worst place to start because People get you get to take people along that journey of your development, and it it creates a sense of loyalty. I think as well. I mean, people who Jeff who have been buying work from you since the start, I'm sure that you still have maybe a couple people who still buy work from you every now and again, and they fucking love having like the old ass, you know, original shit. And then now and now your newest and seeing that progression. I have they do like I that. have a That's couple cool. of my own, and they love like they and it and not everybody's going to be that customer, but even if somebody follows that story, you know, and, and then they know somebody who is interested in getting a, a chef knife or a hunting knife or whatever it is you're making that, that you will be kind of the top of mind for them and they can refer you to, Oh, I follow this guy on Instagram. His work's awesome. I've been following him for years and I would love to get some of his stuff. But if you're interested in like, this is the guy I would go to, to get such and such knife. It's interesting because I thought I think of that question differently. Okay. I thought of it more along the lines of what's the next step and I might to me the next step is how do you make things repeatable? Sure. And how do you fine tune your system so you're able to do more repeatability and not it not be just like a one you do it once and then I see, it's like hard a, to kind of make it do it to it again. I like it's a model Neptune, that's being designed for production. Or just how do you how do you make sure that your style is consistent? Okay. And how do you keep that consistency? And how do you make sure that the flair or what makes it yours is still always there? And right. I like this question because, you know, um, I think repeatability is uh, something before I was making knives, I was making sculpture, but I was making repeatability. I was doing the same. Like I did this sculpture called 60 Needlefish, and I did... 60 identically carved, identically painted. Not, of course, they weren't 100%. I mean, they were a little bit, don't put a caliper on them, but yeah. they were, for the most part, identical. And I really appreciated how I was going to do it. And I didn't, I knew that 
you can't do one all the way through. You know, you have to do them in stages. And I was doing everything in stages, right. just like cooking, really. Yeah. And I found myself really thinking about the process of batching things out and doing things in stages. Like right now, I'm working on, we're working on or getting ready to start getting Hinchcracker oyster knives done. But in the meantime, I'm doing a batch of 10. Great video, by the knives. way. Oh, yeah. It was fun. You liked it? Yeah. It was fun. I like it. it. We're going to do more of it. Those hot plates are so fun. We're going to have to do, we're going to have to do another one. It's killing me because I'm like, now how are we going to beat that? But we got it. We have some idea. We're going to do it. Fred wants to do it again. Next thing we know, you're going to have feature chefs coming in and doing some shit under your broiler. No, I don't think so. I don't (laughs) think so. I think I I have, I have a plan that might come out later that we're going to do and I'm not going to talk about it. Okay. We got to do something because Tony and everyone's just like, when are we doing the next one? And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, I got to come up with a good one now. But the the when I when I'm up, up there after Maker Camp, we can do some pizza. Um, <laughs> we could do some pizza. I we gotta. I mean, we gotta figure it out. I mean, we'll, I'm teasing, we'll figure something out. No pressure. So I mean, for me now, it's like thinking about the stages and each stage still keeping within the 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 uh, importance of that consistency. So to me, that's everything. It's like. Figuring out situations of place, even just marks, like figuring out, like having little jig marks yeah. for where you you're where you're supposed to end the grind, or having you know you know where you're putting your you know I made a jig once for where I put the my belt bend my Ben Banky my Bill Banky file guide, and it's a jig that like I can clamp the it's basically the silhouette of the handle i can clamp it against and then i can make sure that when i put the file guide the back of the file guide is always going to hit the same spot right you know the little things like that that kind of take the doubt that kill the doubt is just the best and like systematizing like drilling drilling guides one thing i do like to do is if i have if i like for the when i drill the 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 dowels for my uh for the for the neptune sunrise sure i have drill guides that I made and I heat treated the drill guides. So the holes are, are through holes and then I could just clamp it on and then it's heat treated. So I know that I'm not going to like wallow it out mm-hmm. and then I can just run the drill bits through the heat treated pass through holes. And then I know right. I'm going to be on the money every time. Yeah. The little things like that are, are, I think the ways in which to make you create your style faster is the move. Yeah. I, I see how you read it that way. And I think you're, you're right that that's probably what he was asking. No, but I mean, both what are I, good. I mean, it doesn't matter, but, but what you said is perfectly good too. It's better that we, I, we say the same fucking thing for every question. Who cares? I mean, boring. Then all of a sudden it doesn't matter. No, but I do think you're right. That is, that is definitely the next step. If that's the way he was meaning it is yeah. Figuring out how to systematize your process. So it is repeat. Yeah. 100% agree with everything you were just saying. Four. Let's do this. Sure. Let's do this last one, okay. and then we'll see what's going on next. Ethan Goss says, "Do you have any suggestions on a good, long-lasting kitchen knife handle finish? I have found that a lot of different finishes—mineral oil, base, tongue oil, true oil—don't seem to hold hand washing very well, even on a professionally stabilized wood." Sure. You have a suggestion for a good, long-lasting kitchen knife handle finish? Good question. I think it's a great question, and honestly, I think especially if it's um, if it especially if it's a wood handle, it sounds like he's mostly talking about. Right. Um, even if it's been stabilized, yeah, it it is, especially with the repeated um exposure to moisture and and washing. It, you know, almost all, I think basically all finishes will break down. Um. I think I over the years 
I've actually pulled my my finishing work back so that it is something that my customer potentially can handle themselves. And honestly, like a very simple like Johnson's paste wax or something along those lines, Renaissance wax, they're easy for people to find and buy offline. They keep well as long as you keep the fucking lid on it. And they're easy to apply. And I think for me, the, the my answer has been trying to figure out how to make my work, even though it's as you know aesthetically pleasing and complex or challenging or whatever to make. When it gets to my customer, how do I design and build that knife or, or finish that knife in a way that the customer can maintain themselves? And I know that handle finishes break down and wear down or whatever over time. And, you know, nobody's going to go back. A customer is not going to go back and do a super glue finish. You, I guarantee you do not want them to send it back to you to redo a super glue finish. But it's something that's simple, straightforward and offers a really nice, like, coat, you know, fucking a johnson's paste wax or like i said a renaissance wax are great to, for that um they're low impact uh, the in the way that they're easy to apply they polish up very easily and quickly and in you know five minutes and you're done you're back on the road so make that's the hardest part yeah, just making is, it easy for the customer to maintain themselves is what i've that has been my answer it's the it is definitely the hardest part and 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 the other thing is is like there is a lot of people who just who are just they're not really interested in maintenance you know so sure that's a good one i i love g10 more and more and more because there is no maintenance right you know it's like you don't even have to put wax. i put wax on it just to give it a nice shine yeah. and stuff like that yeah. but you don't even need to do that you know yeah. and that's one of the things about it that i love so much i agree with you i do use axe wax and i do like using it and i think finding an all natural food safe wax or oil is good. Sometimes I'll tell somebody like if your handle's getting dry, hit it with a little bit of mineral oil. Um just something or something that you can find at the hardware store, tongue oil, you know, all that stuff. Give it just a little bit of conditioning and don't get crazy. It is it's one of the things that most people never do that at their regular with their regular knives. I mean, that's sure. the reason why Global and Henkel and and uh all those guys, they don't use wood because they don't want people nah. bitching. You know, they don't want people saying, <laughs> my handle cracking off. I mean, that's what for years, I mean, that's the reason why you find so many uh, sabatiers, old sabatier knives, because the handle's all busted off. Yep. You know, so I think that's the way yeah. to go. Synthetic is the easiest. only way around that. Synthetic is good. I'm, I love synthetic. I'm a fucking, I mean, with the exception of the fact that it's fiberglass sure. and it's probably shortening my life. It's, I love it. You, and, you just um, got to bump that ventilation. I know you got a vacuum you were working with and respirator, I but use, you got to get that ventilation, bud. I got to, we, we, we suck it away. We suck it away. Okay. And, um, I'm actually trying to work with some, and that's the hardest part is even the machining of it. I was talking to uh, my friend about it. Who's got a machine shop. And he's just like, it's just so wear resistant and it's so gross. Mr. Bantam tools. That's what you going to do. Yeah. Brew Pettis. And we talk, we've talked about it almost too much. It's just like, we're fine. Um, so I guess that's it. Okay. We had a good time. We're going to do a little after show and uh, see how things are going. Guys, thank you for listening to the podcast. As always, we're sending our best vibes to the cap of the ship. Craig Lockwood, hope he's feeling better, and he will be back with us next week. Bye for now. How does he do it?
There we go. All right, now we're in the after show. <laughs> we did it. Ding dong. Yeah, he did it. Oh, just relax. Take it. But this, he, he likes to take his belt off. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. He yeah, buttons week, the top button of his pants. That's it. Last <laughs> week, he said he was slumped over the bar with his hand in his face drinking a beer. <laughs> uh, oh, hey, so, I meant to say earlier, actually, uh, on a serious note, uh, I'm sorry to hear about your uncle. Stop. Stop it. Stop it. It happened 12 years ago. No, some people didn't even get that joke. I believe it. <laughs> God, people are so stupid. Oh, now that I'm going back to the regular show. I forgot. We're back to wait. Okay. I, I got to get out of the after show. I got to get back. Into okay. The show. Okay, guys, listen, we're back into the regular show. There's a great opportunity if you want. If you go to Abana.org, at Abana.org, it's Abana. You all know Abana. They're doing a new uh, hashtag, and it's called Abana featured forgings and if you do bottle openers if you forge bottle openers and then you hashtag abana featured forgings and they're going to i guess they're going to be promoting them uh but but you got to have them in before july 28th go follow abana you should join abana go follow abana.org abana org on instagram and then you know we'll look we'll make a bottle opener and uh put it on uh put it on their uh hashtag abana featured forgings okay back to the after show okay we back. should do something like that well we'll do about i mean if we get a chance to do a bottle opener i'll knock one out i got i have some i actually forged out four hammers last weekend and oh yeah two of them are two of them that. are hung and they look dynamite and then i have to do a little bit more work on one of them okay and then i i don't know tomorrow okay. I, my family's been away all week so i've been doing thing this i've been doing that and yeah. then when i have some free time i've been working on a couple hammers so two of the hammers i forged look are fucking awesome and then i have what well, two more i want to do one of them's going somewhere and then uh but i mean Tell you making hammers are fun, dude. They off looking but at however, schools for I'm your daughter. Excuse me. They they off looking at schools for your daughter. They no. back in, over in Wisconsin for a little my bit of summertime a, play. Uh, my kid, my kid did a uh, music class. Okay, she got into a music class, and then they went to go to that. So oh, that's where cool. So yeah, I've been dealing with dealing with stuff here. So okay. in the meantime, uh, yeah, things are good. Oh, here's have you watched this show? You gotta watch this TV show. It's called The Bear. It's oh on, yeah, I just saw you post FX about that, dude. It's an FX show, but it's on Hulu. It's probably the best TV show I've seen about restaurants. I, there's never been a better sh- rest behind the scenes restaurant show than The Bear. It's fantastic. Yeah, and uh, Steve Tell- Steve Pellegrino and I were talking about it. It is if you're making culinary knives and you want to know what it's like in the kitchens, that's the closest thing I've ever seen to the pressure and stress and the real way it is in a kitchen. Sure, it's really great, really great. I, I saw, awesome. I think I saw a clip from it. A girl, one of the servers from the house comes back and they're like, a, a customer at table, whatever is looking for an eggless omelet. That's not the, sh- that's, that's that a was, different, that wasn't, that's, I think that was a joke because that wasn't the bear. The bear is about oh. this guy who, okay. the bear was about, is about this chef who was one of the best chefs in America. Okay. And then he, his brother died and his brother owned like a, Chicago beef sandwich place and he came he came back to run it and it was like a dump and the I got cooks are all fucking wacko and he's just trying to transition from this high test sure. restaurant world to this like neighborhood sandwich place and and it's 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 not it wasn't I know what you're talking about what wasn't that this was a really 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 well made show and Maddie Matheson's involved and he's really good on it and okay it's very very compelling and it's 
I'm surprised at how good they did. Mm-hmm. And the lead character looks like if Sean Penn and uh, and Dustin Hoffman had a kid. He, <laughs> I it saw just him. Like yeah, that. yeah. It yeah, does he's look fantastic. Like it's a dynamite show. Dynamite show. Yeah, I wish I had Hulu. I, Hulu and Hulu has had more kind of exclusive release shows through Hulu. That makes me like hmm, think about think he's. I don't my. I don't know what the fuck we, I, I don't know what the, I just asked my family, what do we have? And then they, I said, we, I want to watch you show the bear. We have Hulu. And they say, yeah, we got Hulu. I'm like, Tell me what to do. And then they put me on. I, I, I ain't going to watch another thing on this Hulu. I, I ain't going to give a shit. I don't watch, I don't watch that much TV, but this show is really great. I'll tell you, I remember I was listening to last week's episode and I heard Craig complaining about people. And I'll tell you what, that was one of the things that I, I think my biggest takeaway from this road trip uh, and traveling around and all the different public exposure or not exposures, but just like people like interactions with people in general. Like we went to the San Diego zoo and we went to right. all these different beaches and stuff. People are so fucking self-serving, selfish, fucking shitty yeah. people. And when it comes to public situations and honestly, like after being at the zoo and I think I'm trying to remember the last time I went to the zoo. It was, it was uh, last winter. We have a local zoo here. I don't, I actually, I was like, I don't think I like going to the zoo. And after being at the San Diego zoo, I was like, yeah, I really don't like going to the zoo. Cause one, I kind of feel bad about all those little animals, like all the animals, yeah. <laughs> like all these fucking gnarly ass animals from around the world in these like little concrete cages and shit. And San Diego zoo does a pretty good job, but still like the, these enclosures are the microscopic so compared to like their natural environment. It's so weird. It is odd, but fuck the way people act and, and, and interact and are rude to each other in these places is mind boggling. Cause it's like this situation where you're, you're in this crazy place. People are there from all around the world and right. they're just so they're kind of like, they're there for their shit and they don't give a fuck about anybody else. Right. And, uh, they're super did you have rude. Inc- did you have an incident or something? Um, no, it was mostly a lot of just observation of people and, and the kind of like the shit people would do, the animals and stuff. I'm like, what the, f-? it was like, what were they doing? For, for me, it was just like making faces or not watching their kids and the kids is punching their fists on the glass enclosures and shit like that for like the small animals and shit. Uh, especially like in the nocturnal, they're like, no flashes and please be use quiet voices. <laughs> and then these like 10 yeah, year old kids like, bop, 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 bop on a glass container i'm like oh my god somebody get a hold of you fucking kid but it's just i don't know for me like it was more it was more of a zoo watching the people walking around the fucking place than the actual animals and all the time i was just like kind of standing back and seeing the animals i'm like all i could do is kind of feel bad for them (laughs) dealing with these stupid you know frontal lobe monkeys walking around with their bullshit and cameras pointing and poking at them through glass and bars and stuff and kind of like jesus fucking christ zoos are kind of strange i i I kind of feel the same way i'm just like yeah it's just i just don't when i was i used to take the kid to the zoo i was like i don't know there's something about it all it's just like eh, we really need this yeah maybe it's great maybe it's great that we can see it but just like eh. yeah and i think like some of some of the like san diego zoo i think for the most part they try to take animals that were um 
you know, a lot of them are, are injured and they wouldn't sure. actually be able to continue to survive properly in the wild right. and shit like that. Uh, but just like, I don't know, the whole spectacle of it, it feels really uncomfortable and I don't like that at all. All that stuff's probably going to go away. The zoo, I mean, now, I mean, the circuses, they don't have that. I mean, Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus don't have the elephants anymore. I don't think they have, I don't even think they have the circus anymore or the Ringling Brothers and Barnum sure. and Bailey Circus. Yeah, I don't know. And at some point, and then everyone with the Sea World and the orcas and all that shit, I, this is, is going to be—it's going to be more trouble than it's worth, most likely. But just—it's <laughs> good. You see, you got your, so you took your kid to your kid probably had a great time. Yeah, the kid, and I think it's—I think that's the thing—is like the kid was cool, did a good job being respectful and not being shitty, and it's you know it's an incredible opportunity to see some of these creatures like. You know, especially like like one of the things that really blew me away was a Komodo dragon, and they Whoa. are fucking monstrous. I didn't re- right. like I've seen video on like National Geographic or Instagram or whatever, um, but I've never seen one of those animals in real life. And the thing is like ten feet long and six feet wide, and like this, they are a huge, intimidating animal. And uh, that was poisonous, that was pretty poisonous saliva. Yeah, from it I was mean. pretty Ugh. pretty impressive, but. But even still, like, I don't know. What's the best thing you ate while you were on your vacation? <laughs> one, you only can pick one thing. Only one thing. Oh, my God. I haven't actually really thought about it. Oh, actually, when we were in San Diego, we were staying with my wife's friend uh, from school. And uh, there was an Italian restaurant that was just around the corner. And they, it, it was really solid, really well made. I'm glad we went there because this is something. It's like. Like it was food that I couldn't have made for myself. Um, and it was really, really delicious. And I can't even remember what it, they, it was like their, their special house sauce. That's like their take on a certain style. So I can't even remember what it was. Um, but I used book. I had, it was cool because you choose your pasta, then you choose your sauce. And if you want to add a protein or whatever, you can add a protein. Wow. And, um, so I got bucatini, which is kind of like a spaghetti noodle, but it's hollow in the middle, but not not like a macaroni noodle. It's like a very small, hollow opening. It's bigger. It's bigger than spaghetti. Yeah. It's a thicker diameter. Yeah, it's thicker than spaghetti. It's got a little bit of an opening in the middle. And uh, it was the texture of that was really like the pasta was all really good. The sauce was awesome. I just got like Italian, like an Italian sausage uh, in this, in the sausage or in the sausage, in the sauces. And uh, yeah, it was super delicious. But that was probably. Oh, and I got a scoop. We went down to uh, the beach one day just before we left uh, Orange County, and we uh, we got some ice cream. And there's some place called Buster's or something like that, and uh, they had a banana pudding ice cream that blew my fucking face off. It was so good. And that I, sounds pretty good. And I, you know, like I said before in a previous episode, like I love vanilla ice cream. Like it is my favorite. I think part of the reason it's my favorite is because you can doctor it and mix all kinds of shit in it and put right. toppings on and whatnot. But I'm always like a very solid vanilla. I'm always looking for that. But places like that, I like to try different flavors. And the the banana pudding was mind blowing. It was really good. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Banana pudding, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, baby. There you go. All right, guys. We're glad you're back, Mareko. Glad to be back. Craig gets back next week. For sure. We're going to have normal shows through the summer. Don't worry, everybody. We got everything squared away. Many thanks to Even Heat, Soul Ceramics, Combat Abrasives, Maritime Knife Supply, Dossie USA, Texas Ferry Supply, Damage Steel Broadback, and 
you, the listener. So, guys, if you want to do me a favor and do Mareko a favor and Craig a favor, is wherever you listen to this podcast, I want you to subscribe. I want you to leave a good review plus high stars, okay? Because we it helps us. We need it. We need to. We need to get you guys. You guys got to get on the ball with helping us out. You know, we're not giving you a free show here, okay? Have a great week, everybody. Mareko, glad to have you back, and we'll see you next week. Oh, yeah. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.